What is going on, Cultivate family? Welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. If you have made it through all 10 episodes, I am so happy that you're still here. If you just got here, then welcome. Welcome to the family. It's very, very nice here, and I really hope you'll stick around. It's September, and it's like 30 degrees up north in the UK right now, which is pretty weird, but I'm loving it, but also slightly worried because, you know, global warming and all that. However, I really do like September and not just because I love autumn and like spooky shit and pumpkin spice lattes. There's a lot of good independents near me that make a banging one that isn't like as sweet and sickly as the Starbucks one. But anyway, enough of that. I went off on a tangent. September in general is just a really, really good time for a little bit of a reset. We've had a big summer. A lot of us have been doing festival season. Those of you that have got kids have had to navigate the school holidays. Lots of people have taken trips or been on holiday. And the summer is generally a time where more stuff goes on. There's more socials. And some of the habits that we try and embody day to day might tend to slip to the back of our minds a bit more, take a little bit less of a priority, which is absolutely fine. And when September comes around, I definitely notice that everyone goes into a bit of a reset mode, and I definitely do as well. I don't know if it's just because we're all used to going back to school in September, especially here in the UK, but I definitely found myself making a few commitments for things that I want to stick to that have definitely slipped a little bit. And the main one of those is that this time of year, my walks with the dog just tend to get shorter and shorter and shorter as it gets colder and darker. So that often leads me into a place where I become quite affected by seasonal affective disorder or seasonal affective depression. So I really want to keep doing them because I know how good they make me feel mentally. The other one is that a few of you might have seen on my story, I'm rehabbing an Achilles injury at the moment. It sucks. I haven't been able to run for a month. I'm probably not going to be able to run for another two months. And I'm essentially doing rehab every single day, as well as three short sessions in the gym, solely focused on that. Some of you also might know that I've entered High Rocks in January next year in Manchester in the individuals category. And that is a lot of running. It is 90% running, I'd say. So Safe to say, I want to be back and I miss running. So I've pivoted my training completely. I've started training in the mornings around half six, seven a.m. I've got a new coach, my friend Tom, who I used to work with. And I've actually left my CrossFit gym for the few months that I'm rehabbing this injury. So it's been a big time for reflection. I've been journaling a ton and just mapping stuff out. It's been really, really helpful. And if you kind of feel that you want to use this start of the month in September to be a bit of a reset for you as well, then use this as a prompt. What habits have slipped that you feel like you need to get back? Do you have any goals before the year's out? Is there anything you want to do with the next few months? Anything you want to aim for, whether it's in your personal life, your work life, or your training? September is a wicked time for a reset and a pumpkin spice latte, obviously. Now, the topic for today is going to be burnout. It's an issue that comes up a lot with the people that I coach in Fuzz Culture Club and Cultivate. And it's an issue that I talk a lot about with all of my followers and many of my friends, especially the ones of us that work in creative industries or the ones of us that are self-employed. And at the end of this episode, I'm also going to give you all my top tips that I would share with all of my coaching people for combating your burnout. 
Because although there is not an answer to the burnout that the world has been feeling over the last few years, there is a few things that we can do to help with it. If you want to work on any of the things that I mentioned in this podcast today, if there is anything that you are struggling with and you are looking for your people, your community and some support navigating that, I have spots coming up for online coaching at the end of September. So I'll put the link to my form in the show notes or just reach out to me on Instagram and I'll let you know if I can help you and you can see if Fuzz Culture Club is going to be a good fit. All right, Cultivate family, let's talk about burnout. I just want to say that everything I mentioned in this podcast is solely related to burnout. And if you have any of the symptoms that I mentioned and they're just short-lived symptoms, I don't want you to panic and think that you are burning out right now because it's really normal for us to all get these symptoms at some point for a short period of time in our lives. But a lot of these symptoms can also be related to depression and anxiety. But the coping mechanisms that I'm going to talk about aren't necessarily for dealing with either of these things. So if you do find you need help and it doesn't relate to burnout, definitely reach out to a healthcare professional for some guidance on this, because this is all burnout chat. So burnout is a state that we enter of complete physical and emotional exhaustion. And it normally occurs when we're going through long-term stress. The most common example of that is going to be working a very stressful job. And we don't always recognise the signs of it straight away. So that's what this episode is here for. Before we look at the symptoms, I'm going to hit you with a few stats. 88% of the UK have experienced burnout at some point in the last two years. 82% of the UK don't take a full lunch break, even if they're paid for it. The UK works the longest hours in the whole of Europe with an average of 42 hours. And I'm pretty sure from speaking to my clients and my friends over in the States that is very, very similar in America as well. So if you have been experiencing burnout or think you might be, first off, know that you're not alone because almost 90% of this country have experienced it in some capacity over the last two years, whether they've realised at the time or not. Now, the symptoms of burnout are ones that we could have for a short period of time at any point, but when we're experiencing these for a long period of time, this is when they contribute to that. So feeling tired or drained, feeling super defeated or really, really helpless or like you're trapped, feeling like you're completely alone and potentially having like a cynical or a negative mindset towards everything when you wouldn't normally. There's going to be a lot of self-doubt going on in our brain. We might procrastinate and take way longer to get really simple things done. We might even just have decision fatigue and end up procrastinating on all sorts of different tasks. As a result, we're going to be very, very overwhelmed And I've often heard burnout be described as a feeling of being tired, but also wired, like you're completely exhausted, but you can't ever shut off. Now, stress itself is not a bad thing in small amounts if we have the right time to rest and recover. If you think of your stress like a bit of an elastic band, that band starts out super baggy and you pull it really, really tight, but... If you let it go, it will eventually go back to its original shape. However, if you stretch that band way too far, 
it's either going to lose all of its elasticity or it's going to snap. So that elastic band analogy I want you to have in your head for the rest of this podcast when I'm talking about burnout. I have definitely experienced a ton of burnout throughout my self-employed career for sure. The signs for me that I notice when I'm burning out, the first things for me that go, the first one is like brushing my teeth or showering because I forget. And the second one is that I just lose all interest in food. I literally just don't care what I'm putting in my body. And those are three pretty normal self-care habits. And for me, they just go completely out the window. And when that happens, I've now learned that that's a sign that I might be falling into a pattern of burnout. So when we do notice those telltale signs, when we know what they are, it does mean we can preempt it a little bit, which is a good thing. The self-awareness is a great thing. It's why I bang on about it all the time. Now, the biggest demographic of people that follow me and that listen to this podcast are millennials. Some of you may be a little older, some of you may be a little younger, but not by much. And we are very much described to be the burnout generation. And like, is it any wonder why, surely? Our attention span and our presence is expected in so many different places, whether that's online or offline. It's so hard for us to even keep up. And we're the first generation that spent our teenage years growing up on social media. We had MySpace, we had Facebook, we had Bebo, Pixo, Neopets. I obviously can't be forgetting MSN Messenger either, actually. And the way social media has evolved over time, it's meant there's so many different things trying to grab our attention, never mind what's actually going on in our real life. Then we look at the stuff that's happening at the moment. The cost of living just absolutely skyrocketing. It was pre-pandemic. Now it's even worse. The amount of debt that a lot of us are in. And maybe the reason that is the biggest culprit for a lot of people's burnout, capitalism. I hate that it always comes down to capitalism. It always seems to, especially on this podcast, but it would be silly of me to not acknowledge that. We have this pressure to work constantly because financially we are really, really far behind the generation above us for the most part. The job market is the most competitive it's ever been. But then we've also got this pressure on us to find this amazing career that we're super, super passionate about. And then the rise of capitalism has meant that things are more expensive. Our working conditions then get worse because companies have realized they can treat people worse for less money and we have no option but to accept it. And then the more efficient our world becomes with technology, the worse the pay and working conditions get for so many people. Now, overworking for less money isn't always visible. The extent of a lot of people's labor, especially in like the hospitality, the service industry, is often ignored or degraded. And in addition to that, we are now expected as a culture to have really low boundaries when it comes to work because we've got apps like Slack, Teams, Gmail, and you can have it on your phone and you can have it on a work laptop that you can leave the office with or you might work from home anyway, so it's always there. You can't get away from it. So is it any wonder that they are calling millennials the burnout generation? And it's not just work either. It's very much a mental load as well outside of work. If we think about queer folks, people of colour, trans people, minority groups that on paper, they should have equal opportunities, 
but because of biases, they don't. That in itself is a form of burnout, not to mention how all these minority groups have to prove their humanity to everyone around them, especially in the workplace. To add to that mental load, we've got this influencer lifestyle economy that has become the forefront of everything we see on social media that tells us that our personal space and our homes should be optimized just as much as our mental health, our self-care and our career. And the end result of that, it's not just feeling a bit shit about yourself, it's burnout at home as well as at work. There's societal pressure to have amazing self-care routines, really nice, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing homes, fun experiences and days out, huge social pressure. And the self-care industry itself is this billion-dollar industry that just wants to guzzle up all of our money. Our lifestyle influencer economy breeds perfectionism in doing your own self-work to the point where you're trying to do so much self-improvement that you just feel fucking exhausted. And I definitely got to a point that I realized in therapy a couple of years ago where I was trying to do so much self-improvement, so much self-work, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, recovering from an eating disorder, looking after my mental health, navigating my transition and gender dysphoria. I was trying to do so much self-work to make myself better and live authentically that I was burnt out from even that. And that's got nothing to do with my work life, my home life or my finances. It really just is exhausting the pressure that sometimes this influencer lifestyle can put on you, whether it's consciously or subconsciously that you feel it. Then we start getting into things like the pandemic, Brexit, politics, and with everything that goes on in the news, we see it and we react to it and we feel it and we feel it quite hard because a lot of it is really affecting us. And we get really stressed out by the things that we see in mainstream media but at the same time, we feel absolutely helpless because there's not often a lot of hope being shared in the news because all the news channels are competing for our attention. So for our generation as millennials and the future generations, adulting is just not the dream that we were sold by the generation before us. And it was not the dream that we were promised. Life after school, after college, was meant to always be worth it and be the best time of your life. And this isn't really what we were set up for, is it? We are a much more creative generation, but it's really hard to pursue a lot of our creative dreams alongside work. But the work that we do doesn't fulfill us, so we can get sad and frustrated and bitter. And again, leading us down the road to burnout. One thing that no one ever talks about is a lot of the time we actually can't often survive very well as a single person unless we're in like a four person plus house share. So a lot of people, and I myself have done this, have stayed in relationships we are deeply unhappy in because separating would cause huge financial stresses for everyone that's involved in that relationship. It used to be a lot more affordable to live alone when you got past a certain age. It's not the same now. Taking care of ourselves has become a huge full-time job in the society that we live in today. And that can make it so hard to be present in your relationships, in your friendships, at work. 
And that's sometimes why our self-care can just be completely non-existent because we try to please everyone around us as well as earning money. Otherwise, we're not going to have a roof over our heads. And that doesn't leave a lot of time and space for actually looking after ourselves. So going back to me saying that the first things that fall off for me when I'm about to go into a period of burnout is things like showering, brushing my teeth, food. It's no wonder those are all the first things to go because they're all the things that I do to look after myself. And it might be the same for you. There might be something for you that goes. And with a lot of the people that I coach in Fuzz Culture Club, I see them really stop putting themselves first. And I can see that because I'm the person that's programming their workouts. I'm the person that's reading their check-ins. I can see them disengage. And that's obviously then my job to check in with them and make sure that they're all right. But not everyone has that. I've definitely come to realize that most of us are actually just in survival mode. So we can't actually even think about planning for what we're going to do after our working life ends. Most of us don't actually see a future where we don't work. I know I definitely don't. And that's not just because I love what I do. I can't imagine ever having enough money to not work. I put between 15 or 50 pounds into a personal self-employed pension every month, right? And it says if I retire at 70, I'll have 10 grand and that's it. <laughs> and if the cost of living is going to rise any more than it already has, the chances are when I'm 70 years old, if I make it that far, that 10 grand is not going to be a lot of money. And often it really does seem like people our age are making it and they're making it work. But did those people just have a helping hand? And would you blame them for taking that if that was an option? Because a lot of people don't have that option. So no wonder we have been labelled the burnout generation, because this is all the stuff that we and everybody else that comes after millennials are having to deal with day in, day out, and it's absolutely not the same as the generation prior to us. I was reading a few articles and I found a quote that said, why am I burned out? Because I've internalised the idea that I should be working all the time. Why have I internalized that idea? Because everything and everyone in my life has reinforced it explicitly since I was young. That is the world we are living in and that is why we are the burnout generation. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to ride this out? Because capitalism isn't dying anytime soon. The hustle and grind culture that unfortunately some of us have to work into despite trying our best not to that doesn't seem to be going anywhere either, but there is a ton of stuff that we can do to help that is completely in our control. And these are all things that I do with members of my team and I see them working firsthand and it makes me so happy to see people go from completely burnt out to thriving and having rest time and setting boundaries and feeling great about themselves and being able to say no without feeling awful and mad guilt about it. All right, so let's go through the nine tips that I give to all of my team to combat their burnout where they feel like they're going through it or they're preempting that they're about to. Number one is to intentionally engage with other people, with your people. We've got to talk to people about what is going on in our lives, what we're feeling, especially if we are going towards burnout. 
There's even evidence that shows feeling alone is just as bad for your overall health as smoking 15 cigarettes every day. We can't go through this alone. We gotta arrange to meet a mate, regular contact with other humans and not just the humans that you live with, stuff outside your home. We've all got to make the effort here. Put something in that calendar every month. Classes, sports, pub quizzes, support groups, volunteering at things. This will all give you a sense of purpose. So do it now. I have fallen into the trap of just completely disassociating, not reaching out to anyone. And that's led me down a path where I've dissociated from my friends so much that I almost project on myself that they don't want to see me. Going through anything like burnout or a bad period of mental health or a really tough period of stress or anxiety or depression, we don't want to go through that alone. Now, it's not always easy to reach out to friends and ask to go for a coffee or a pint or go to a gym session or go see a movie, grab a bite to eat, but the chances are they're probably thinking the exact same thing. All too often, we are busy and we bump into someone we haven't seen in ages and we're like, oh yeah, let's hang out and it never happens. Get it in the diary, make it intentional, engage with your people, talk to your people, it's so important. Number two, do something that you love every day. Doing things that you love is going to make you way more resilient to any stress that comes your way. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be watching a YouTube video of your favourite gamer or comedian Or if you're me, I really like watching Beard Meets Food, that content creator that just eats and chats. Could be reading a book, it could be listening to some music, it could be a podcast, it could be any sort of craft thing. Do something that brings you joy, even if it's just for five minutes. Do it for yourself. Yesterday, I had to have a dentist appointment and my dentist is not in Leeds, it's in Hull because, oh wow, I sounded really whole when I said whole then. My dentist isn't whole because it's impossible to get an NHS dentist appointment, so we got to hold on to those NHS dentist appointments with everything we've got. But I had to drive an hour and a half to get to it there and back. And I get really frustrated about that because that's obviously time that I could be training or it's time that I could be spending with my family, my dog, or it's time that I could be working on Fuzz Culture Club, which obviously is a huge passion for me. I love what I do. However, I reframed that to the fact that in that car journey, that hour and a half there and back, I mentally mapped out this whole podcast and what I wanted to talk about. And I recorded a ton of voice memos via Siri. And on my way back, I've been meaning to wash the car since I went and played this really muddy festival at the end of tour. So I got a coffee and I went and sat in the car wash and it was only six minutes, but it was enough. I felt really, really calm, really, really collected. I had loads of interesting things going on in my head that I wrote down and journaled afterwards. And it sounds really silly, but that six minutes in a car wash with a coffee made all the difference. So I'm not saying do something you love every day and go and drink coffee in a car wash, but apparently that is something that I love. But it can just be five minutes. 
And it's well easy to overlook that and say we're too busy. I could have just said to myself that I'm too busy to go through this car wash. I need to get home and work. That's what hustle and grind culture teaches us. But what six minutes in the grand scheme of things, it's absolutely nothing. And five minutes in the grand scheme of things is also nothing, just for the record. It's so easy to overlook doing stuff that we love because we're too busy, but we can just do it in five minutes. If I don't play music or write music for a while, I feel rubbish and it feels like there is a bit of a hole somewhere and often I don't even realise what it is. And then I do it again and then I remember that's what the hole was. That's what I was looking for to fulfil me. So even if I just play guitar for five minutes a day or I sing for five minutes a day, it makes me so much happier and it makes me resilient to any more stress that's going to come my way. So think about that one thing that you can do for five minutes that you love and then do it every day. Number three, schedule your rest and make it a priority. If we rest, we are going to come back way stronger. So we're going to be in a much better spot to deal with any of the stressful factors in our life. But put it in the diary though. Don't just say that you're going to do it. Block it out in your calendar, even if that seems silly. I make all of my people in Fuzz Culture Club do it. Work goes in the diary, workouts go in the diary, rest goes in the diary, chill time, social plans, lunch breaks, walks, everything goes in the diary. We do something called calendar blocking. If any of you want to see my little video on calendar blocking, just DM me. I'm more than happy to send you it. If work is the only thing that goes in your calendar, what does that say about our priorities? Put your rest in there as well. Your chill time is just as important as your work time because that's what's going to allow you to shut off and recover. With your rest, what are you actually doing when you're resting? What TV are you watching or what games are you playing? Are you sat there watching true crime, horror movies or really intense documentaries that are going to make you feel a little bit stressed or on edge? And are you playing games that do the same? What could you watch or play instead that's going to make you feel calm and collected? So for me, as I just mentioned, I've started watching a lot of YouTube creators. I watch a lot of CrossFit athletes just doing their workouts and talking through their days and vlogging because I find it very relaxing. Maybe you like watching nature or those documentaries with all the animals in them. Something that's not going to make you on edge or feel stressed when you're actually trying to wind down. We want to think about this stuff too. It all counts. Even if it's only subconsciously stressing us or putting on edge, it still contributes. Number four, learning to say no. Setting boundaries and stepping out of people pleasing. It is well nice to do stuff for other people. I love doing stuff for other people. But it's not nice at a cost of our own well-being. We don't need to do things for people's approval to be loved or liked. And I lived my life purely that way all up until a few years ago. And people pleasing was actually getting completely in the way of my life because I just lived to please everyone around me. And I never managed to live in line with my own hopes or values or dreams. And it sounds a bit dramatic now the way that I'm describing this, but people pleasing really got in the way of my life. And maybe if it hadn't, or if I had recognized it sooner, I would have been able to live a lot more authentically for a lot longer than I have. There is nothing wrong with putting ourselves first. And when a lot of people start working with me 
and they're spending three days at the gym that they never have done before. Not full days, obviously, just an hour for their workouts. Something that comes up a lot is them saying, well, I feel a bit guilty coming here after work or before work three times a week because I'm away from my family or my partner and that's less time I have to spend with them and I already work so much. But putting ourselves first is going to lead us to be happier in ourselves. And I don't mean completely disregarding everybody else around you, your chosen family, the people that you love. I just mean prioritizing the ways in which you're going to put yourself first so you can show up better for yourself and for the people around you. One little coping mechanism that I talk about a lot when a lot of my coaching team are saying yes to too many things at work is to actually take a pause. A lot of the time we can get put on the spot and asked to do something and we'll say, yeah, yeah, sure, because we want to please that person. We want to give them a positive answer. But instead, take a pause and say, actually, can I let you know if they felt like they were being put on the spot and they wanted to say no, but they do need that pause to actually mull it over. If you say to someone, can I let you know in a bit, the chances are they're going to be like, yeah, let me know by this time, or yeah, that's fine. And then you have a pause, a moment to decide, is it in my best interest to say yes to this, or is this just going to lead me into a point where I'm going to have far too much on my plate and I've overcommitted? When we say yes to something, we also have to think about what we're saying no to. And if we're saying no to things like our downtime, our relaxation time, then we are going to burn out. And it's not going to be easy or comfortable to have to say no to something and to have to set a boundary when in previous times you haven't set that boundary because you've wanted to please. But think about your why. Be clear with setting that boundary or saying no. Be nice. And the person you're saying it to will most likely respect you for it. And if they don't, then they're not our kind of people. Number five prioritize our sleep. So burnout, funnily enough, makes us stay up later. Think back to that tired and wired that we talked about at the beginning. Now, I'm not saying eight hours unbroken is possible for everyone every night because it absolutely isn't, but just aiming for a little bit more every day if you don't get a lot of it. When you sleep better, literally everything gets better and as always, like this isn't sexy. It's not sexy at all prioritizing your sleep. However, it actually really is because then you feel far better for it. If you're a person that likes to stay up and watch loads of episodes of something, I am absolutely one of these people. Before you hit play on that next episode, when it's like 11 o'clock or midnight, think to yourself, take the pause. Is it worth it? this hour of a TV show for me to feel less focused with less energy and feel less creative tomorrow. And sometimes you're going to be like, yeah, it is worth it. Actually, I really want to watch this um, very, very good episode of Grey's Anatomy. But sometimes you're going to be like, you know what? I want to be on it. I want to be sharp. I want to be my best for whatever I've got going on tomorrow. So yeah, it's not worth it. I'm going to go to bed. And this is just bringing more mindfulness to it. A good night's sleep can actually start in the morning because light exposure in the morning, about 20 to 30 minutes, does absolute wonders for your circadian rhythm, so this can get us into a good sleep-wake routine. We want to think about our caffeine intake, our screen time. If we can, we want to make the room that we sleep in a bit more of a sacred space, 
So obviously that doesn't help people that work in the same room that they sleep in, but even just creating a space in your room that your brain associates with rest and sleep is going to be the one. Last little point on prioritizing your sleep. If you're someone that gets easily stressed and affected by the news, I think we can probably say most of us are. Don't watch it before bed. Don't check news apps before bed. As I said before, all of these news apps are fighting for your attention. You're not going to open one of them and see beautiful puppies having a really nice time. You're probably going to see something that's going to subconsciously stress you out or also make you feel helpless. And I'm not saying to ignore the news because I know a lot of us want to keep up with what's going on in the world because that's important to us. It's important to a lot of the activism that we do or that we choose to partake in, but just don't do it before bed. Number six, creating some self-awareness around our nutrition. If you're feeling bad, you might want to start to eat more processed foods and less whole foods because often those options are quicker for us. But this is actually just going to make you feel worse. It's really, really easy to get a takeaway every night because you're busy and you're burnt out and there's nothing wrong with having a takeaway once in a while. However, if we're prioritizing our well-being and we want to feel good in ourselves and avoid burnout, we are going to want to eat stuff that makes us feel good. So that means whole foods, good protein sources, carbohydrate sources that are going to make us feel full, good fats. One thing that a lot of my humans in First Culture Club have issues with when they're busy or burnt out is that they just can't see a way to get a food shop in. And part of what we'll talk about is how can we make that more realistic and possible? And often there's minimum order quantities for order and deliver or it's not available. But what we often forget about is the option of click and collect for food delivery slots that only costs maybe a pound or 50p to book in. And I often tell myself that I don't have time to do a food shop based on how busy I am. And then I remember I can spend 10 minutes making a list and five minutes ordering it from Asda. And then I can pick it up at a slot of my choice on the way home from the gym. And it adds only five minutes more to my day. And is that five minutes worth it for me having some good whole foods for the rest of the week that are going to make me feel good, fill me up, fuel me? Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, food is one of the things that I completely lose interest in when I'm heading towards burnout. And for so many of us, it's the first thing that we give up when we're busy. But we've got to remember it is the thing that fuels and nourishes us. So let's pay attention to it. A new term that I've coined this week when I was in a video chat with a member was cupboard carbs. Having things like rice, pasta, lentils, noodles, long life stuff in your cupboards, tinned stuff, as well as some freezer staples, your protein sources, your frozen veg, your frozen fruit. All of that is crucial. And you can stock that stuff up once every month, once every two months, and that will always be there. And maybe that is slightly more effort to sort out. But if you can find a meal that you can make out of your cupboard and your freezer that takes five minutes, for me, that's always going to be like veggie chicken stir fry. Freezer veg, freezer veggie chicken, packet rice. 
five minutes minimal washing up. If you can find your version of that, then that's going to make eating a good whole meal a lot easier and a lot more attainable for you. My last point on this is if you're a person that resorts to comfort eating when you're not actually hungry to deal with your burnout, to deal with your stress, that's the point where we're going to want to implement a pause and ask ourselves, am I hungry? What would I rate my hunger out of 10? We'd maybe want to sit with it and decide whether we're actually hungry or we're just doing it to comfort eat or to self-soothe. This is definitely another podcast in itself, though, which I will do. I definitely need to do a whole podcast on the pause, which is going to happen soon, I promise. Number seven is move every day. And no, I don't mean work out every day, I promise. If you are feeling like you don't have a lot of energy, movement is very energy giving and it's a huge stress buster. Even if that is just a 15 minute walk at lunchtime, you're going to be more focused. It's going to be easier to solve stressful problems. You're going to have a mental reset. You're going to have a reset from your screen. If you work through your lunch, and as we know, 82% of people in the UK do with no break, our brains have a default mode network, a DMN, which helps us solve problems and be creative. But that default mode network only gets activated when we switch off and stop focusing on a task. And that's why we get really good ideas in the car or in the shower or when we're walking or driving. So if you do a 15 minute walk every day, that could make a huge difference in you managing your stress but also a huge difference in your life for creative flair and ideas and focus. Moving every day doesn't mean train hard every day. It means move your body in a way that feels good. And that might not always be a workout. Could be a walk. It could be dancing in your kitchen. It could be stretching. It could be yoga. Literally anything. Number eight, decide when your working day is going to end. Do you have a cutoff point every day where you're going to stop working? Because a lot of the time now, our to-do lists are often just like never-ending. We just add to them every day. And emails or messages are always going to come in. So it's important that we set a boundary for that so that we don't end up working after dinner just because our work laptop is there and we can see that emails are coming through. We want to use those do not disturb functions to turn off all our work notifications if we can. We want to remember here that being done for the day doesn't necessarily have to mean ticking everything off the list. It means that you've finished your priority tasks within your working hours and you need to decide what your done for the day means for you. That's why making lists and making sure you know what your priority tasks are can come in handy for this, because if you set yourself a hard cutoff time, there's always going to be something that can wait till tomorrow. So let's make it wait until tomorrow. You're going to come back to it fresh and you're going to smash through it in favor of you actually having some downtime for once. Decide what time you're done for the day is and decide what done for the day means for you. Because for a lot of us, it shouldn't mean ticking off everything on the list because that list is ever growing. And finally, number nine, we want to live our lives in alignment with our morals and our values. Now, this is absolutely easier said than done because a lot of people don't enjoy their jobs or certain aspects of their working life. And a lot of the time it's not in line with our values, but we do it because that's what's allowing us to pursue our creative passions or make a living. It's okay for us 
to not work a job that we are thoroughly invested in and passionate about. It's not always possible. But ultimately, if we aren't living in alignment with what our values are, we probably aren't going to feel happy about it, which is going to contribute to that burnout. So let's get real with ourselves and actually decide what our values are. And then off the back of that, let's maybe think about where we want to be in the future. Where you are now doesn't have to be where you stay forever. And a lot of us have all worked jobs in our lives that have just been a stepping stone or have just been an option to pay the bills. Work isn't the only thing that matters in our lives. There are so many things that we can do outside of that that can be in line with our values and our morals. And it's important that we have those things especially if we find that in work, we're not necessarily doing work that reflects our values. Often a lot of our values can be shot down because of work. I know a lot of my values when it comes to my working life in the fitness industry is making fitness accessible and inclusive for all bodies. Now, when I worked in a commercial gym, the people around me didn't uphold the same values. There was a lot of fat phobia. There was a lot of attitudes that were all in favor of really, really unsustainable classes that all abilities couldn't follow. And I, I didn't vibe with it. And having those values shot down quite often definitely felt tough. But the work that I did within that space and the work that I did outside of that space was always in line with my morals. We're going in a bit deep here to finish off with, but do think about what you truly want out of your life. And if you're unsure, just think about writing a few things down that matter to you. What matters to you and what do you want out of the rest of your time here? If you're living a life that's in line with your morals and your values, then it's going to be so much easier to work through stressful periods because you're working towards something, because you know what the end goal is. If you're not living a life that feels true to yourself right now, it doesn't mean that you can't be in the future. There can be a path there and it might take a while, but it's definitely possible. So those are my nine top tips to combat burnout. And it's not going to cure it and it's not going to stop us from ever having it or veering towards it, but it is going to help us get through it or preempt it so we don't fall into that so often. Now, the whole time I was planning this podcast, all I was thinking is what is actually the solution to burnout? And I think a lot of people are pinning a lot of hope on a four-day work week, which I know would be amazing for everyone that works a nine to five Monday to Friday, because that's an extra day. It's almost an extra day to get life admin done or to see friends or to do stuff that creatively fulfills you or just fun things or just chill. But I know personally, as a self-employed person that isn't salaried, I genuinely don't think I could get everything done in four days, but maybe for nine to five people that would absolutely work. The world definitely doesn't have the answers right now to burnout and capitalism is such a huge contributing factor. But what is important is that we all keep talking about it within our communities and within our chosen families. And that's what we do in Fuzz Culture Club. It's a huge part of the coaching process. So before we wrap up, as always, I hope you have an awesome rest of your week. My next two guests are awesome. I might have already given you some clues on my stories as to who they are, but I'm super excited to bring you the next guest episodes. I know I bang on about always being excited, but I genuinely really am. 
I love talking to people about this stuff. I love being able to do this. And as always, I appreciate your support. Cultivate family. I'm out. Take it easy. <laughs>